That's, that's useful. Um, you wave at the pet. There you go. John chapter 5. There we go. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, that's an interesting thing. He's been in, he's been in Galilee, hasn't he? Now he's going to Jerusalem. It just, it's this throwaway phrase, sometime later. It's a flipping long way that he's walked. So in John's Gospel, he keeps going from Galilee to Jerusalem to Galilee to Jerusalem. And that's effort. So, anyway, just a throwaway comment. Now... There is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people, sometimes it says paralyzed there as well, people used, used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Doesn't tell us why. Doesn't tell us what caused that. Is it from birth? Is this guy 38? Is it from childhood? Is he in his 40s? Or did something happen to him as an adult? Is he much older than that? We have no idea. It just says he's been an invalid for 38 years. An invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he said, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Forget the fact that you're walking. (sighs) But you're being naughty. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they said, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Interesting passage. Interesting passage. What we've got going on here is a place clearly where healing happens. And the man talks about the waters being stirred. And the commentators are divided as to what that means. Did somebody go and stir the waters? Others reckon the waters stirred themselves. And one theory is that uh, an angel had come to stir the waters. What it quite possibly is this is a thermal pool and the waters bubble and they're stirred. And we can, we can argue it away rationally if we want to. Or we can see the faith thing that's going on here. But what's happening is that there's a stirring in the pool and then people get into it. And that's the point at which healing comes. So you could argue, if you take the line that an angel comes and stirs it, is that something happens to which we respond. God moves first to which we respond. 
the stirring, the thing that occurs that signals that healing is coming, isn't produced by us making it happen. Yeah? Do you get what I'm trying to say here? So we don't force the healing. I think so often when we pray, we do that. Oh Lord, so, so and so such a nice person. They really must be saved. They really must be healed. You really, 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 really got... I prayed my socks... It's not what we do. Healing has come by the cross. Jesus' sacrifice was for all of our iniquities, for all our infirmities... It says in Hebrews, our asthenos, those things that are not well with ourselves. We get the word calisthenics. We get the sthenic word means well. And if you're, if you're, um, if you're a theist, you believe in God. And if you're an atheist, you believe in the opposite. Well, you don't believe in God. Sthenos means well. Asthenos means not well. So he died for our asthenos. He, di- he died for that which was wrong with ourselves. Yes, it's spiritual, but it's also physical and emotional. It's all those things. And he did it first. And it's there for us in the cross. It's not a sovereign work outside the cross. It's through the cross we're healed. It's by his stripes we are healed. But their stuff gets in the way. Our stuff not his, but he reaches out to us. So when we pray for healing, when we seek healing for ourselves, we need to wait on the Lord to do something. We just see what the Lord is doing. And we've, we now have these healing worlds because we're waiting, because we waited on the Lord and he showed us to do this. So now there's an expectation. The Lord is stirring the waters. So now, come on then. There's still a response. It's not just that we wait for the Lord. There's a response. There's an obedience. There's, a, there's an obedience to what is happening. There's revelation, if you want, and then there's obedience. Obedience. The, the guys sitting in the colonnades, watching the water, waiting for it to move, waiting for the stirring to happen, have then got to get off their behinds and get into the water. And some of them can't. Clearly this guy can't. He needs help. He needs people around them. Excuse me. Not not going, there, there, Stephen, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And Stephen's going, help me into the pool, will you? It's all right, Stephen. It'll be absolutely fine. You're really good. You know, you're a lovely man. No, he needs picking up. Not that you do necessarily, but he needs picking up and moving into... It doesn't need stroking, it needs sorting. And there needs to be that obedience, either from you as you seek healing, or from those around you who are standing with you in that. We're very good, not necessarily we at St. Leonard's, but the church is very good at uh, ministering to people who are ill. Not healing people. We're very good at ministering to people who are sick, but not considering healing people. Do you know why? It's too risky, isn't it? Because if it doesn't happen, we look silly. If it doesn't happen, our faith takes a dip. If it doesn't, well, if it doesn't happen, I've pro- John Wimber said a long, long time ago, when I prayed for nobody, I was a hundred, when I prayed healing for 
for nobody, I was 100% successful. Yeah? If only five in a hundred people get healed, that's still a 5% improvement on none. And I promise you it's much, much more than that. I've prayed for lots of people and I've seen them healed. And I've prayed for lots of people and I've not seen them healed. And some of the people I've not seen healed, I've had a good argument with God as to why. Why did that not happen? Why is that person not? And sometimes healing has come in a way we've not expected. Sometimes the disease hasn't gone, but the person has lived. Yeah? Sometimes they're still in a place that isn't easy, but actually they found the Lord. There's been a healing in a different way. That's in my own family. Watching my grandfather come to faith and be transformed and still die from cancer, from liver cancer at the age of 66. But he'd come to faith and he was an utterly transformed man. He was healed, but he wasn't healed. But he was healed, but he wasn't healed. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? The healing we seek as well, we've got to be careful what shape we look for. And I love the fact that in this story, I think it's about verse 6, nearly if we can get there, 5 or 6. It's at the end of verse 6. This man has been ill for 38 years. And Jesus doesn't just come up to him and say, be healed. He says, do you want to get well? I mean, it's like, duh. But actually, it's not as stupid as it sounds. For 38 years, whether man and boy or as an adult or whatever, this man has survived and has lived by lying where he is and begging. Because he would have to have lied where, laid where he is. And he would have been given food. And he would have been given sustenance. Maybe not money because he can't get up and spend it. <laughs> but he would have been given what it was needed. So Jesus says to him, do you want to be well? I've also prayed for a lot of people to be healed who actually haven't wanted to be. Because their sickness has defined their identity. I'm a cancer sufferer. And, you, and for us without who don't have that, you think, well, that's daft, isn't it? But it happens. You can be defined by your infirmity. I'm not saying anybody else, anybody here is. And those of you struggling with those sorts of things, please don't hear that. Please don't hear that. But I've met many people. Many people defined by their infirmity. So the question is, do you want to get well? Do you, do you want to get well? It's going to change your life. You're not just going to be physically well. Now you're going to have to work. Now you're going to have to go and find your own livelihood. It's going to change everything. This world that you knew, these people that you know, you're now not part of it. Do you want to be healed? Jesus does the same for Bartimaeus, doesn't he? Do you want to see? Because again, same thing. And sometimes that question needs to be asked. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be healed? And we all go yes. But for some it's a no. 
Or it's a yes, but, which is a no. Yes, but I don't want this to change. Hmm. God doesn't do bargains. God offers you what he offers you, and you have to decide whether you're going to receive it or not. He doesn't bargain with you. Do you want healing? Yeah, but I... No. Do you want healing? Yeah, but... Wendy and I heard a long time ago, you can't be a yeah, but for God. It's either yes or no, Lord. And actually, you can't say no and Lord in the same sentence. Did you know that? Because if you say no, then he's not Lord. So you can't say no and Lord. Yeah, but, you know, okay, Lord. And even if the okay is yes, and I'm scared, and yes, and I don't know how, what, what this is going to be. Yes, and that's fine. It's absolutely fine. He'll take the incoming tide of faith, however much it's a trickle, rather than a tide. So the revelation comes, there's obedience, and then Jesus asks a question. Then he asks a question, do you want to get well? And then he says, look, look what's going on. And then this is what Jesus does. This is verse 8 and 9. He doesn't say, well, I'll tell you what, we'll try this and see what happens. He doesn't say, well, he just says, get up. He doesn't even say, be healed. He says, get up. Get up, pick up your mat. This guy's been lying down for 38 years. Even if he was well and laid down for 38 years, he's, everything's going to have withered, isn't it? He's not going to even be able to pick the mat. He'd stand up, pick up the mat. Oh, and walk. Jesus doesn't even say be healed. He says, do the, do the opposite thing. Do the thing that you couldn't do before. Do it. And he doesn't say, sorry, Stephen, it would be a really good idea if you could maybe possibly. Jesus isn't very pastoral about it. He says, get up. Pick up your walk. He's emphatic. It's a command. It's a declaration. There's revelation, there's obedience. He asks a question and there's a declaration. It's a road we follow. Did you see that? See what I did there? Revelation, obedience, ask a question. Declaration of faith. It's a road we follow. And what happens is there's freedom. There's freedom. There's release. And look what happens immediately. As soon as there's freedom, as soon as there's release, the enemy goes, I don't like this. This isn't what's supposed to. I had this man in bondage. I had this man tied down. He couldn't do anything. So all the religious spirits come flying at him. How dare you pick your mat up on a Sabbath? It's horrible, isn't it? It's horrible. These are the spiritual people. These are the these are the churchgoers, if you want, who don't see the healing and don't see the miracle. They just see the law breaking, and it's. It just blows my mind in a very negative way. <laughs> it slays me that they could think like this. But we do it. We get stuck in it. Or when you got prayed for healing, did they do it properly? Did you do the five hours? You can get religious with that, you know. 
Did, did you do this? Did you, was, was there some repentance? Was there, this guy doesn't even know who Jesus is. And he's healed. Because when they say to him, who was he? I don't know. Some bloke said, get up. He doesn't know. That's how much faith there was. That's how much it was dependent on him. It's utterly dependent on Jesus. I think it was dependent on the bloke. It's dependent on his response to the question, do you want to, do you want to get well? Yeah, I do. I'm frustrated. I can't. But he doesn't know who Jesus is. But this religious attitude that says it's got to be right. It's got to be right. We've got to do this. We're defined by the negative, not by the positive. Somebody once said to me, I don't think that healing was real. I think it was a psychosomatic illness. And, and I, I think they've just, it's just, you've dealt with the psychosomatic thing. I went, hallelujah. If there was a psychosomatic problem and it was causing them problems and they've been released from it, then that's a healing as far as I'm concerned. Okay, it's not physical, but they're still being released. Why are we so worried about nitpicking? Why are we so worried about those things? Rather than just seeing what Jesus is doing and joining in. Because he tends to do things outside the box. He tends to do things across what we expect. And he tends to do it in a way we're not expecting. So whenever I see a book that says, your five steps to healing, Christian ones, not non-Christian ones, or your seven this to... Really? Really? God could do it now. Or he might take you through a process. Or he might take you through a process and heal you in the middle of it. But the process continues. He... He could do it any way, which way he flipping pleases. I believe that's the definition of sovereignty. And he is all-powerful and omniscient and everywhere and therefore can. When it doesn't happen, there may be reasons. Sometimes we know, sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's choice, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the religion that's around us. You read stories of the great um, healing evangelists of the last hundred years, and they go into places that go, mm, uh, the, uh, the atmosphere is not right here. I don't think healing will come. Or they sit and wait. They sit and wait for the atmosphere to come. And they won't speak and they won't do anything until. So the Lord has said to us that he wants to heal. And there's healing wells. Go back to your notes, Laura. See what's happening. So, we've had the revelation. Oh, I've not had it. Well, no, the leadership have had the revelation. You can choose to join in if you want to. It's up to you. It's always your choice. But he will heal. Maybe not exactly how you expect. Maybe more than you expect. Maybe beyond what you expect. Maybe a completely different shape. But it doesn't matter. He's promised that he will heal. And by his stripes we are healed. We're not standing on anything else other than the cross of Christ. And the sacrifice. And the fact that he is risen from the dead. He will heal. Or I've tried that before, it doesn't work. Yeah, okay. Try again. Try again. Try again. Try again. If he's promised, he will heal.
If he's promised, he will heal. I know there's some of, I know some of your stories and you're sitting there going, oh, I'm struggling, I'm wrestling with this and he hasn't healed me yet or this hasn't happened or I'm praying for the, my friend here and that. Okay. Let's persevere. Let's push in. The revelation has come. Will you be obedient and come and be prayed for? Will you reach out? Will you sit, or will you encourage others to? Will you, will you turn to your neighbour and go, you ought to go forward. Come on, I'll come with you. Like the friends taking the man down into the pool. Will you do that? Will you have the courage to encourage somebody else? You can only encourage somebody else if you've got courage yourself. Because encourage means to put courage into them. So if you haven't got any yourself, to encourage them is quite difficult. So have the courage to encourage them. And come yourself. If the band could make their way, I'm coming into land. So what we're going to do is this. I believe we've got revelation. I believe that the question that we need to ask is, do you want to be healed? I'm going to lead us in a prayer in a moment just to get rid of some of that religion. Because we all carry it. Any of you been knocking around church for a while? Yeah? You've been knocking around, even you lot have been knocking around church for, for a few months, haven't you? Years. Yes, so we all pick up religion, I'm afraid, because it's the nature of the beast. And I use that word advisedly. (laughs) So we're just going to wash off, get rid of some of that religion on ourselves. We're going to go into worship, and then there's going to be the opportunity to come and pray at the wells. Okay, the elders that are here are going to come and pray, because it says in scriptures the elders will pray. All right. Julian, if you could join us at the front as well, that would be great. Julian's part of setting the worlds up right at the beginning. Stuart and Louise are not here, are they? Just checking I haven't missed them. That's fine. Okay. And do you know what? If 100 of you or 50 of you come to the front for prayer, that's fine. We'll deal with it. You know, just because there's four people out the front, don't, don't worry about overwhelming us. We'll, God can cope. We can't, but he can. You alright with this? That's what we're going to do. Let's stand.